I had a phone call from Hackney Environmental Health one Saturday saying, excuse me, love, have you booked a skip? Do you have a skip in Oxon Square? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, you've overfilled it. You've dumped a pink Wendy house in there and they're not going to take that away. You need to come and remove the Wendy house as soon as possible. And I said, oh, thank you so much for calling. But actually the pink house and the skip is an artwork. My name's Catherine Borowski. I'm the co-founder of Skip Gallery. Skip Gallery is an exhibition space. We invite artists and musicians to work with us to create artworks inside the Skip. It's Sunday night and we're here to install Maya Georgievich's uh, sculpture, which is called Nothing to Wear Again. My name's Lee Baker and I'm a co-founder of Skip Gallery. Maya's piece on it has just arrived and been wheeled into Selfridges from Duke Street. And right now I'm looking at a... Maya Georgievich is uh, known for creating these quite naive and childlike images through early Microsoft drawing software. I'm Maya Georgievich. I'm an artist from Serbia. When I was like uh, seven or eight years old, drawing what the girls and guys have under the clothes, if you do on a paper, you know, someone can find and tell what you did, you know, like mom or dad can find and you did an embarrassing thing, you know. When you're doing on a computer, that was the easiest way to delete and no one will see. She's creating a three-dimensional artwork, which is two of her characters sitting on melting ice cream within the skip, and that's a fully realised three-dimensional sculpture. One girl will be sitting on the cherry, like, covered with the ice cream, and the other one will lie open legs, open arms, and, like, melting in that ice cream. <laughs> oh, my God, it looks amazing. Look at I'm looking at a girl sitting on top of a cherry, sitting on top of a pink, strawberry pink ice cream, which is oozing out of a yellow skip, sitting in between Gucci and Chloe. It's an art dream come true. My favourite reactions have been the bin men looking inside at the Gavin Turk hand-painted packet of Skips Crisps and laughing with near tears coming down and kind of calling all his mates to come in and have a look at the artwork in the Skip. We had one guy during the David Shrigley private view who was like, oh, what's that? It's a load of old rubbish. And then he's like, well, what, what is it? And someone must have said, oh, it's David Shrigley. And he turned around and said, oh, I love David Shrigley. Oh, that, that's brilliant. Oh, that's really funny. That's brilliant. My childhood was spent growing up in skips. I'm not joking. I'm pretty sure that half of the furniture and carpets in our house were from skips. I remember being about age six or seven, and I think my mum had seen a carpet that she liked. I remember unrolling it over the top of the skip, finding out that it was in perfect condition. So we lifted it out the skip and we carried it through our estate. I reckon it was about a 10-minute walk of carrying this carpet and dropping it every few minutes and laughing, but also really realising that this was not a life that I wanted for myself.
my upbringing has shaped my artistic practice in a number of ways. And I think one of them that I can't really ignore is my kind of real desire to take my work to the street, really. Sort of jumping over the elitism of the art world that does definitely exist. You know, I did fine art at art school, but I felt that the um, doors weren't open for me. I couldn't work out how I could live in London, be an artist and survive really and have any kind of life. So I got a job at an agency called Cake because I thought that I would meet the people along the way who would help me realise my installations. And that has come true, but it's taken 20 years for it to come true. I first properly met Lee in Heathrow Airport, uh, Terminal 5. Catherine used to share a space with some friends of mine in Shepherd's Bush years ago. So we kind of knew each other. We met a couple of times over a course of many years. But then Catherine recognised me in Heathrow Airport. I was just about to tuck into a crayfish sarni and I looked up and I saw a guy who I kind of recognised. So I said hello, which is probably quite rare for me because I usually hide from people. And we clicked straight away talking about art. We were showing each other our works, which were so very, very different. And he definitely didn't get mine and I definitely didn't get his. But we just had, yeah, lots of really good art conversations and it really became apparent really immediately that we should and would be working together. And several years later, we find ourselves co-curators and co-founders of Skip Gallery. So originally Skip Gallery was going to be a one-off show that I was going to do during Freeze a couple of years ago. You know, I just started really thinking about the fact that for one weekend each year, you've got the whole of the international art world descending on kind of one area of London. So you've got this kind of amazing scene going on. But unless you've got a curator or a gallerist representing you, there's no in for emerging or unknown artists. So I've tried to book a pop-up space close to Freeze and everything was either completely booked up or crazy expensive so I thought oh, what would be really good would be have a skip and the idea would be really easy to just kind of book a parking space plonk a skip down and by the time the council have realised that I've opened up an art gallery or an artwork in a skip we get a truck there to move the skip away it didn't happen then for various reasons the timings were kind of too tight but told Lee that I was going to do this skip gallery piece. And Lee also said, oh, I want to do one as well. Can I do a skip gallery as well? So that's how it started. And the inaugural skip gallery took place in March 2017, and that was in Hoxton Square. And it was an homage to our mums. My mum converted to Islam when I was about nine or ten. It was probably pretty shocking in a way. In the late 80s, early 90s, there weren't that many white women converts who had come to Islam off their own backs. I used to pretend that my mum had an ear infection, so she had to wear a scarf. Because I think, like a lot of children, we just kind of want to be quite normal, don't we? So I just didn't talk about it and bottled it up for years. My mum was in Mecca doing a pilgrimage called Umrah. 
She'd been texting me the night before saying, have you booked my cab home from Heathrow? I love you. And um, I got this call saying that she'd just performed her pilgrimage and she was reconvened with her group and they were going to go and have something to eat together and she just dropped down dead. Even though I was completely gutted that my mum had died completely out of the blue, I knew that that's, for her, the best blessing. If you're a Muslim and you die in Mecca, it means you go straight to paradise. So I got this email from the British consulate in Saudi Arabia saying, do you give permission for your mum to be buried locally in Mecca? And I said, of course I do. But it meant that we never had a funeral for her. We never had a service or a a send-off. So we decided to do the first exhibition as a funeral to my mum. We had a skip that was painted white that was kind of quite angelic. We had funeral flowers on top of the roof of the skip. Inside the skip was a performance, a music soundscape that Lee had designed, taking my mum's three favourite songs and really stretching those songs out. We also had a Victorian hearse trotting around Hoxton Square with the names written in flowers that my mum went by. She had her English name, which was Chris, and she had two Islamic names. One was Soraya and one was Alia. The first exhibition was an absolute success. We had a queue around the block and it was so deep and profound that people were just moved to tears. My mum would have totally got it and it would have made her cry with laughter that she was the only woman in the country to have a funeral in a skip, a bit of a radical end to her radical life. Since the first exhibition, we then exhibited David Shrigley. Lee got introduced to David Shrigley and stuck a handwritten letter through David's door saying, I've got a gallery and a skip, would you be up for exhibiting? And David said yes. And then we exhibited Gavin Turk, a piece called Transubstantiation. And now we've got a probably list of about 15 potential artists in the pipeline. The Skip Gallery Meets Selfridges show, which is called Like It or Lump It, was going to be a skip outside Selfridges, but after Westminster Council refused us parking permission, Selfridges were amazing and let us bring the skip indoors. And it's sitting right next to Gucci on the ground floor, and it's an intervention to capture the imaginations of the shoppers inside. Logistically, it's been very interesting. We've had to get a skip into the store. You know, the doors are two metres wide. The skip's 1.7 metres. We needed to work out the widths of the pathways alongside the skip in case there's a fire. Work out which direction the skip is sitting so that it's the best angles for customers to be able to see it. Plinth for it to sit on that wouldn't damage the floors. You know, you, you name it, it's endless. 
So we have uh, three artists exhibiting in Selfridges and it's our opportunity to introduce emerging artists that are creating a conversation around gender politics in a witty and mischievous, colourful way. First we have Claire Pierce, then we have Maya Georgievic, then we have Paul Kindersley, a emerging drag artist. You look like um, Charles II, I think King Charles II. Paul is creating a performance piece called Ship of Fools, which is a series of actors inside the skip and they will be performing at certain times across uh, the second half of March. All right, so if you guys come back in, should we just swap you around for if you stand there? Yeah, tiny bit further in. When they asked me to do something with the skip, I was really excited and then I found out it was Selfridges and I thought that was such a good combination because I love platforms that are really egalitarian. I know it's a quite a high-end store, but everyone knows and will go through Selfridges. And so the people who will view your art will be a real cross-section, quite a random cross-section of society. And it's, that's so much nicer than putting it in a gallery where it's a sort of destination for people who are seeking out art. It's much more exciting to have art or whatever you want to call it, actually, in somewhere unexpected. Yeah, that's the important thing. I, just, all I want it all to be fantasy, dreams, silliness, all the things that like, are not looked upon as... like. Um, maybe it's so important or useful in society, I think are the most important to being silly. My idea was to make the skip a sort of ship that is sailing through Selfridges, a bit like Gulliver's Travels, so turning up where everything's just topsy-turvy. So for the people on the ship, being in like a glamorous handbag department will be topsy-turvy, and for people in the glamorous handbag department, seeing all these people with strange makeup and homemade hand-painted clothes will seem very jarring, maybe. But I don't know, maybe actually everyone will find it really glamorous, as I do. (laughs) Okay, um, we're seeing a backdrop. There's a sort of giant child, which is my nephew. And either side there are, I can never say the word, but carotids. So I've made the costumes and the backdrops. So if you guys come back in... And now I'm doing a photo shoot which involves getting the people and working out how the costumes are worn and what they look like in front of the backdrop and how they interact with the backdrops. All the ideas would have been going around in my head for a long time, months, even years. Lots of the paintings and things have elements even that I've sketched from when I visited like the Tate or other galleries or things that I've seen in the last year. The one here, it comes from a William Blake that's in the Tate and on this side is from the Hieronymus Bosch. Ship of Fools picture and then this is the one so I really enjoy going through skips and finding stuff on the street there's enough decision making within the artistic process that I like things that remove the decision making so if I need materials I rely on what I already have or what I can find um, the, it's all made of found fabric so I actually didn't make any of the holes mm-hmm. so the armholes and bits and that leaf is just where the yeah, holes very 19th century of you <laughs> Yeah, I also thought it was a bit magia. I found lots of fabric and bins and then made it into roughly the right shapes and sewed them together. Even the paints I've used to paint came from a closing down art shop who we were throwing them away a few years ago. Children-friendly face paints, it should be okay. When it's my face, I use all sorts of toxic stuff, but for other people, I've got um, proper, proper face paints. Well, the only thing that's new is I bought a fake nose. 
I went to the shop to try on different noses, and I really wanted like the longest possible nose, but they'd sold out. I felt like it was quite expensive as well, because I don't really like spending money, and this was $7.99. Everyone in the room are really dear friends to me, and I feel I like that way of working. Okay, so keep, just keep those on. You can put the gold... Should I put the gold heels on? Yeah, and then I'll come back in one second. A lot of the art that I make, it relies on things that you can't really explain to people. So I like people who will come and they'll just do their version of it. I don't want to tell them not to or dictate. So it's always fun because then you never know what people are going to bring to it. Working with Paul is like, he could literally sell me anything and I'll just do it. Why not? Honestly, why not? You wanted to wear those shoes. 100% I wanted to. Well, I'm wearing a a nice slutty pair of like thigh-high patent leather black heels. Um, My Achilles tendon is about to snap and I love it. I feel like it comes across in artwork if people have joy and um, excitement and exuberance. In fact, I think exuberance is probably the thing that I look for in art as like a judgment of quality in a weird way. If I can see that someone has made it and they've put so much into it, then I think it's good. So it's Sunday night, it's 8.30, Softies is closed and we are installing Paul Kindersley's Ship of Fools. So we've got loads of poles of scaffolding because we're going to build a scaff frame to hang Paul's fabric pieces yeah. from. But I think it would be so good because my stuff's so handmade and then all of this is so not yeah, handmade. Yeah, so it's, it's like a perfect yeah. front stage, Agreed. backstage. Yeah. I keep thinking this is like a school play, yeah. so I think it's it good. It is like a school play. To all of this, I've been writing a play. It's a very convoluted, complicated play that doesn't actually make any sense. And it will all come together in the skip. Uh, so the, so the, the bottom of it is basically... Um, we talked about that. Yeah, a bit more. It's all looking fantastic. The paintings are all draped over the side of the skip. There's holes cut into the side of the um, drapes where people will be poking their heads through. And essentially, this is a stage set. There's going to be a one-hour performance. There'll be eight of them during the time that the skip is in Selfridges. Ship of Fools has been installed. It's up, ready to go. And the first performance at 6.30 on Tuesday, so... That's going to be very exciting. Join us aboard the Ship of Fools, led by the wise owl that goes by the name of benign authority, perched up high with us but separate. During the performance, the people won't have read the script before, and it's a very, as I said, it's a bit complicated, and the characters are all based on characters that I saw in paintings or films, and they're sort of extrapolated from that. What is this? The bird speaks. Let us listen. Land ho! And they're all speaking in a sort of really overblown Shakespearean, medieval-type English. Hark, who cometh here from the starboard side? Let us put all our hopings upon the owl's wisdom. I remember placing my clothing and my fabrics and their fastenings. It's like a school play when you have to read out in class when you're younger. It's so weird reading out the words, and then it sometimes doesn't really make sense if you're reading out little bits. Your aforementioned school or prison or your naked trees are merely a grain of sand 
that somehow magnified through time has changed the wind's direction, but I tell you, it is there. So I like that. The words just come out in some weird description, like some sort of philosophical ranting that maybe don't even mean anything at all. It's just the joy of words. Ruled over by bricks and alarms, as a crew, do we return to solid influence or stay adrift? had our first Ship of Fools performance and we've had a crowd of I'd say a hundred people watching, six performers clambering in and out of the skip but everyone I think kind of regardless of background has, kind of, has had a smile on their face and a bit of a laugh someone said to me this is amazing, this is like the sort of thing that normally you see in a black and white photograph of something that happened in the 60s and here we are watching it in kind of this current day and age in a store in the West End in London. It feels really radical. Unexpected art brings an unexpected response. When you go to a gallery, you prepare yourself mentally for going to a gallery. It's like going to church. It's like any four walls which has been given a preconceived notion of how you're supposed to be or what the response is. Art in unexpected places really takes art to everyone. You don't have the barrier of walking through a big heavy glass door into a gallery. You don't have to pay to see it, generally. You don't have to even be an art appreciator to witness it either. It's just there as part of the landscape. I think if art is good, it is unexpected. So I feel like it goes that way around. You know, we do the same things every day. We go places, we recognise the laws of the land, we drive on the left, we cross at the crossing. If you see something unexpected within that, it shakes you out of the sort of sleepwalking and it makes you look at everything suddenly differently. But like, even I find if I fall over in the street, I do fall over quite a lot, and then you're looking up and you're suddenly like, what? The buildings look so much different. That changes the way you see things, even for just a second. And that's what art should do. This episode of State of the Arts was brought to you by Selfridges Broadcast Channel, Hot Air. It was a Radio Wolfgang production and featured Catherine Borowski, Lee Baker, Maya Georgievich and Paul Kindersley. The producers were Earl Scott and Ivor Manley. It was sound designed by Ivor Manley. The assistant producer was Holly Aquilina and the executive producer was Ellie DiMartino. To find out more about Selfridges State of the Arts campaign and upcoming events, visit selfridges.com forward slash state of the arts. <laughs>